Morgan, where are you? I have a podcast to do. I'm in the gallery working on an exhibit. An exhibit? What kind of exhibit? It's called Cars, The Need for Speed, and it opens in about a week and a half, January 22nd. Is that at the museum? It is at the museum. This museum? Yes. Kansas Museum of History? Yes, so i got to get back to work. Okay, go ahead. Okay, bye. Welcome to episode 98, Strawberry Hill. I'm Blair Tarr, who's sitting in for Morgan Shortle, who's sitting in for Merle Riedel, who's still standing in Egypt with his National Guard unit, far from the snows of Kansas. Happy New Year, everyone. You're listening to the January 13th, 2010, first of the year podcast from the Kansas Historical Society. In this podcast, museum staff reveal the story behind the story about artifacts featured on the Cool Things section of our website, kshs.org. We start with a question that we ask ourselves frequently here at the Kansas Museum of History. Why would a history museum collect art? Well, some art does have overwhelming historical value, and that's the case with the paintings we consider in today's podcast. They offer a unique look at the ethnic neighborhood in Kansas City, Kansas, known affectionately as Strawberry Hill. The artist Mariana has preserved memories of her Croatian-American neighbors on canvas for posterity. So join Rebecca Martin and me for a visit to Strawberry Hill. And then, Continue our quest to find someone who didn't know Theodore Roosevelt. We flagged golfer Tiger Woods for six degrees of William Allen White. Did Woods really chip a few putts on White White's lawn? Are we going to use any t- cheap Tiger Woods jokes in today's episode? Find out when we play Six Degrees of William Allen White. But first, Strawberry Hill. Rebecca. Hi, Blair. Today we're talking about a group of paintings in the museum collection by an artist named Mariana. We'll be talking more about Mariana's life in a minute, but first will you describe her artistic style for us? I think a lot of people would look at her paintings and think folk art, but technically they're considered non-academic because painting was not a tradition that was passed down in her particular community, which is the definition of folk art. So by non-academic, we mean um, the use of a lot of bright colors. In fact, Mariana herself has said she paints right out of the tube. The colors come right out of the tube. Uh, She paints exclusively in oils. So when you look at her paintings, they're very bright and colorful for the most part. Um, There's also uh, what you'd consider kind of a flat design to them because she is a non-trained artist um, so that the the distance areas are as sharp in focus as the foreground is. Um, She has a good use of perspective but it's it's the far and the near that have the equal emphasis that's kind of a hallmark of an untrained artist. Um, 
And I think you could probably say some of the human figures are a bit rigid. Um, it's, it's not realistic art, but um, it's very fanciful. And um, I think maybe our listeners could think of her as the Grandma Moses of Kansas. Ah, that's an interesting way of describing her. <laughs> how, how would you describe I, her? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to try to answer that, I don't okay. think. I have, I have enough trouble with art as it is. <laughs> oh, dear. And I'm the art curator here. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, Mariana grew up in a neighborhood in Kansas City known as Strawberry Hill. It seems like any city that has a district called the Hill is usually an ethnic district, like St. Louis has the Italian uh -huh. Hill and Pittsburgh has the African-American Hill District. It's, is that the same sort of thing here with Strawberry Hill? Yeah, it is an ethnic district, and, and Mariana's background is Croatian-American. Um, and just hear you talking, Blair, it kind of made me wonder if if they had all of these different places or cities had the same sort of situation in that the immigrants came to work in the packing houses and the railroad yards and the um, the places, stockyards that were in the river bottoms, usually land that people didn't build on because uh, or didn't want to live on because it flooded so much. And so when they got enough money and stability um, in the immigrant community, they moved up onto the hill that was yes. near the bottom. Do you suppose that's a possibility? <laughs> that could be possibly part of it. And then there's some other ethnic groups that may have been considered even lower on the ladder yeah. that got even further down into the bottoms. Usually it was the most recent ethnic yes. group. And, <laughs> uh, what happened in Kansas City was that in the um, 1880s and 1890s, the Croatians began to um, move in and, of course, they were their economic opportunities were pretty limited in Croatia at that time. Um, and they saw economic opportunities in the United States. And so a lot of them did come to Kansas City, very strong railroading background, a lot of packing, meat packing houses um, in the bottoms, the river bottoms. And we're talking about the Kansas River yeah. in Kansas City, Kansas. So the people settled there, and as they became more prosperous, they moved up onto the hill, which was called Strawberry Hill, because wild strawberries used to grow there. Um, Mariana was born on the hill in the 1930s. Um, she grew up there. And when she was 13 years old, her father passed away, and uh, she said that, although that was a very, obviously a very sad time in her life, that essentially the Hill adopted her. Um, it was populated by a lot of other Croatian-American families, and she said her mother shared her with everyone on the Hill. Uh, the great thing about that was that, you know, lessened the blow of losing her father, but also it gave her all of these incredible memories of everybody else's backyards and um, dining rooms, and um, she uses all those memories in her paintings. And that sounds a lot like some other neighborhoods uh, that you used to hear about, that everybody sort of watched out for everybody else's children. Sure. So it's, uh, well, and um, the Hill, you know, like a lot of ethnic neighborhoods, too, they had everything they needed in their neighborhood, all the businesses and shops, and you didn't really have to leave the Hill. I mean, and you walked down the Hill to work. Right. Um, <clears throat> so it was all right there, and you could create this nice little ethnic enclave um, until the outside world started to intrude. And that happened at Strawberry Hill around World War II. Um, mm. And uh, also, there's some were some traumatic events that happened around the hill that we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but yeah, essentially, uh, Mariana's childhood was pretty idyllic. And I take it those events is what helped Mariana prompted her to begin painting too. Why uh -huh. did she begin painting? What were the incidents that led to uh, taking up the brush? Uh, 
She painted as a young child, but you know, as most of us do, we do things as a child and then set them aside because we consider them childish. And yeah. you know, um, what what happened to her in adulthood was during her third pregnancy, she had some health problems and she was confined to the house. And her mother brought her a set of paints, and Mariana started to paint them. This was in right, right around 1964. Um, also, right around that same time period, the interstate was going through uh, our country, and about 125 homes on Strawberry Hill were condemned to make way for Interstate 70. Um, Mariana wasn't living on the hill, but she was very close to the hill, just a few miles away with her husband and her family. And uh, she had close contacts there, obviously stayed in touch with everybody and, and went to a lot of um, church socials and other events on the hill. So even though she didn't live on the hill, she was affected by that that loss in a very dramatic way. And it just happened to coincide with this time period um, in her life when she had a lot of free time on her hands. <laughs> um, so she began to paint and she became a very prolific painter. Um, another hallmark of a non-academic artist is that they paint from memory and not what they see. So Mariana likes to say that her paintings come from her head. Um, she sees them in many cases fully in her head before she actually starts to paint. And they're from memory and in some cases they're amalgams of memories. They're, they're not realistic snapshots uh, essentially from her childhood, but they're all uh, the, her favorite events and emotions. They're very um, emotional um, yeah. paintings and often very cheery um, because she's fondly recalling an idyllic time on the hill before the interstate came through and and divided yeah, the it, community. It's not quite having a photographic memory, but it's sort of close. Mm -hmm. And, and her, they're very detailed paintings too. Um, so she really gives it a lot of thought before she starts um, painting. Okay, your Cool Things article includes images of four Mariana paintings out of the 44 that we own here at the museum. Could you tell us briefly about a couple of these paintings and why you chose to write about them? Mm -hmm. Well, um, one is called Mariana's Backyard, and I think that's just very um, exemplary of of all of the paintings, you know, from memory. I mean, this is her backyard when she grew up. Um, and um, it's got a very comfortable, happy feel to the painting, which is, I think, emblematic, too, of a lot of her, her work. Um, it's a, it depicts a sloped, um, well, it's, it's Strawberry Hill, right? So it's yes. a sloped view, uh, a lot of houses going up this hill, and in the foreground are the backyards. And um, <clears throat> because Mariana was adopted by all of these people <laughs> as a child, she knew those backyards pretty intimately and played in a lot of them. So, And she knew these people. So what she's got is all of her neighbors depicted in everyday activities in their backyards. You can see about, I think, about four or five backyards in this painting. Um, and um, you see people gossiping over the fence. You see a man fixing a house. Um, you see feeding chickens. People were, you know, had chickens on the hill back. And this is probably from the 30s or 40s okay. that she's depicting um, in this painting. And her own mother's hanging out a quilt in the backyard to dry. And Mariana is in what she called her favorite cherry tree. Um, <laughs> she's up in the tree, probably eating the cherries. And it's just a, it's a very comfortable, happy painting, and I chose it because it's her place, her backyard, and um, it obviously had a lot of meaning for her. 
Another one I uh, wanted to talk, uh, to depict on the Cool Things page was one she, that she's called the Musical Heritage of Strawberry Hill. And what's so interesting about this painting is it's, I guess, allegorical. Would you call it that? I'm, That's <laughs> probably a good reason. I'm looking at it upside down right at the moment, but it's <laughs> it. Um, it depicts, uh, there's, a, there's a river flowing through the center of the painting. And on the right side of the river is a very old world scene. Tiled roofs, it looks like there's a vineyard. Um, oh, and that yeah. is, and a church, and that is Croatia. Yeah. Um, on the left side of the background is Strawberry Hill in Kansas City. And of course there's a church very prominent there too because the church was really central in these communities. In the foreground, you see a group of dancers and musicians, and they're wearing ethnic costumes that are painted in pretty nice detail, pretty fine detail. You can see the embroidery on the costumes, and um, they're, um, they're in front of the river and in front of the old world on the one side and the new on the other, and um, Mariana has said when she was envisioning this painting, she wanted to show that the dancers were, you know, the, the customs from the old world brought to the new. They're the link. They're the link. Yes. And the the river that's flowing through, it's, it's kind of clever the way she's done it. She said, you know, Croatia was bordered by the, is bordered by the Adriatic Sea, and uh, Strawberry Hill is bordered by the Kansas River. And so the two bodies of water are flowing together in her allegory. And um, it, again, it's a very happy, colorful scene, but it has a lot of meaning to her because of the, the old and new traditions. I understand that better now because I was thinking that didn't look anything at all like that part of Kansas City. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because it looks like Croatia yes, right. on, on half of it. Um, and just if those of you are trying to remember Croatia, Croatia, it used to be Yugoslavia for those of us of a certain age. Um, so it, it's um, now called Croatia. Um, but yes, the traditions remained pretty strong in, in that community until about World War II. And then, you, you know, people moved away, like Mariana herself moved away. I mean, you just didn't have enough room on the hill. It's in the, it's it, it basically in the center of, of a big metropolitan yeah. area. Um, so they had to move away and young people are more acculturated than the old, the old people die off. And so, um, Mariana's, you know, feels very strongly attached to Strawberry Hill, but her paintings are her memories of, of some, of a time that's past clearly. And I think they're very nice too, because it, it really isn't just the Croatian neighborhood. It says, but there's a lot there that you could find in many other neighborhoods as well. It's, mm -hmm. it's very universal actually. So. Yes, very much so. So that gets us to our final question. Come on down. No. Uh, what's your favorite Mariana painting and why? And then I'll tell you my favorite painting. <laughs> well, my favorite is not, unfortunately, depicted on the uh, Cool Things page because it's actually a series. Uh, it's a series of small paintings she did uh, about gossiping. And <laughs> they're... Uh, Which is always very good in a neighborhood, too. <laughs> uh, it is, especially, yeah. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. I, I grew up in a, a, a rural uh, community, and gossiping was a huge activity for the women. So um, th it's great to see in Mariana's series of paintings, it's different women gossiping over their backyard fences. Um, and I just like the sentiment there. It's, you know, it's something anybody who's grown up in a situation like that can immediately relate to. Yes. Actually, I think that's pretty much the same reason why I like my painting, too. The, mm -hmm. it's the, I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce this correctly, the Chuxa and Yarmouk Grocery. Grocery. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just, where I grew up, there were still the little palm and pop groceries that are uh -huh. much like this, that there was 
a butcher that was there that you could get me. So you'd just find what you really needed. You didn't have to go to the super duper market uh-huh. uh, <laughs> like you do here. And you knew the people that ran it, like if there were the Gellises or the Vasilkos or somebody like that. Uh-huh. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that painting's really detailed, as I recall. I, well, it's on the Cool Things yes. page. People want to look at these paintings, uh, except for the gossip, um, the ones we've been talking about. But um, that painting, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, Marianne is in that painting coming out of a, one of the back rooms. She's painted herself into it. Oh. And, <laughs> and then her sister is up front at the candy counter, which all of us who experience those little groceries, you always hung out at the yes. candy counter <laughs> in the hopes that the grocer who knew you and your family would give you a little piece of candy. Yes, I have memories of candy and baseball cards, too, yeah. Well, I think that concludes our interview for today. Thank you, Rebecca. You're welcome, Blair. Well, now it's time for another round of Six Degrees of William Allen White. Joining me today is Assistant Museum Director Rebecca Martin. Hello again. Hello again, Blair. <laughs> and Assistant Registrar Nikayla Zimmerman. Hello. Hello. Today we're connecting the Sage of Emporia to the Athlete of the Decade. White and Tiger Woods each has been blessed or cursed with fame, but for very different reasons. We hope. Yeah, we hope. <laughs> That'd make an interesting paper, though. No, never mind. <laughs> yeah. uh, the young golfer, I, the young golfer, and our own dear Kansas editor do not seem to have much in common, other than until recently, a squeaky clean image. Will this be the six degrees to stump Nikayla? I doubt it. No, sorry, Blair. Okay, well, darn it. <laughs> but first, Rebecca, what can you tell us about Tiger Woods? What? What have you heard? <laughs> I just, I, have, any, I don't know Tiger Woods. Anything, any Kansas connections? <laughs> anything we can use for the I exhibit? I want to go on record. I do not personally know Tiger Woods. <laughs> um, but I do know a little bit about him. <laughs> he was born in Cypress, California in 1975, which makes him 34 years old. And his real name is Eldrick Taunt Woods. No wonder his dad named him Tiger. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, and of course, as I think pretty much everybody should know, if they don't already, he's one of the most successful and certainly the most famous golfers of all time. Um, his list of accomplishments would fill a podcast, so I'll just gonna, I'm just going to skim over a few of them, uh, and very few. Um, How do you mean that? Anyway, he's won 14 professional major golf championships. He's the second high. That's the second highest number of any male player. Uh, he was the youngest player to achieve a Grand Slam, which is winning all four of golf's major championships in the same year. And he's this, only the second golfer to have achieved a Grand Slam three times. The other one is Jack Nicholas, hmm. very, very famous golfer in his own right. Uh, Tiger has had the number one position in the world rankings for golf for the most consecutive weeks of any golfer and for the greatest total number of weeks. He's been awarded the PGA Player of the Year a record 10 times, 
and named Athlete of the Decade by the Associated Press just this past December, shortly after he announced a break from professional golf to focus on his marriage, following a lot of bad media about his infidelities. Um, certainly, that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I bet you did. Uh, certainly, um, Tiger's um, career has increased the popularity of golf, and certainly, uh, I think most golfers would say their prize money has increased dramatically as a result yeah. of his um, notoriety. So we'll see if that continues in the next decade. Yes. <laughs> Good That's luck. the big question. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Rebecca. And Nikayla, I believe you have a solution. I do. Well, at the ripe old age of two, Tiger Woods putted against uh, performer Bob Hope on oh. the Mike Douglas show. Um, Bob Hope, who he appeared in several films, and most people know him for traveling around and um, entertaining the troops. Um, he appeared in a comedy um, film called My Favorite Spy alongside popular actress Hedy Lamarr. Um, the movie was a spoof of Casablanca-style espionage and adventure films that were popular in the 1940s. Um, before becoming a popular actress, Lamarr lived a life that in some ways mimicked an espionage film. Um, in 1933, she married Friedrich Mandel, who was a Vietnamese Vietnamese, a Viennese arms manufacturer. There's a slight difference there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like a half a world apart. Yeah, continent. He, yeah. he was Viennese, sorry. Uh, Vandal had dealings with uh, Nazi industrialists, and Lamar claims to have met both Adolf Hitler and Benito Mussolini at some of Mandel's oh. parties. And we know that Mussolini had the pleasure of meeting William uh -huh. Allen White during an interview while the editor was traveling in Europe. Uh -huh. So there you go. Yeah, wow, that wasn't who many degrees. No, and who would have thought Tiger Woods through Mussolini? So. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. Coincidence? Yeah. No, I <laughs> wonder how many girlfriends Mussolini had. Oh, probably as many as Tiger Woods. Yeah. At least. yeah. Well, at least he liked to think so, anyway. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, thank you, Nikayla, for that solution. Sure. Rebecca, would you like to issue the challenge for the next episode? Absolutely. Well, our next podcast is number 99 for us. Wow, that's a lot. We've been podcasting now for nearly 100 episodes, and in honor of our program's longevity and the exceptional patience of all three of our <laughs> listeners, we're going to connect William Allen White to somebody really special, Agent 99 from Get Smart. Ah, uh, yeah, played by the actress Barbara Feldon. Very interesting choice, mm -hmm. yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay, so... If you think you can connect William Allen White to a glamorous, intelligent, and incredibly competent woman, in just a moment, folks, my, my script <laughs> seems to be smudged here. Hmm, I just described both the ladies in this room. Oh, okay. Please send your solution to podcast at kshs.org. That is podcast with an S. Well, this concludes episode 98, Strawberry Hill. To see photos of a few of Mariana's paintings, go to our website, kshs.org, and click on Podcast. Now, did you know there's an easy way to improve our ranking in iTunes? Just search for Kansas Historical Society, then click on the Cool Things logo. Either leave us a review or give us a star rating, and you'll help us get more listeners. So... Go to iTunes and throw us some stars. And come back in two weeks when Assistant Registrar Nikayla Zimmerman tells us about a motoring coat worn by a woman who craved the open road 
In the early days of automobiles, unpaved roads, and open vehicles, which meant dust was a constant, constant battle. But Dora Bozier didn't let a little dirt keep her down. Join us next time for the story of a woman who never asked, Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Because she had a need, a need for speed. This podcast has been a production of the Kansas Historical Society. Rebroadcast does not require the express written consent of Major League Baseball. As Kansas Historical Society, real people, real stories. Yeah.